Um, here we have a panel about festivals of the future. So where are we going? What are we doing? How are things going to look very soon? And how are we going to make it happen? Uh, the idea is that we're going to make a huge impact with a low impact on the planet. Um, and our esteemed speakers here are going to tell us how their visions will be realised in this way. So I'm going to let each of you introduce yourselves one at a time. And then we're going to start with Jacob telling us about his fantastic innovation. So, Mikael. Uh, hi, uh, I'm honoured to sit here with uh, all of you. My name is Michal. I do Pohoda Festival since 1997 in Slovakia. Hello, my name is Jacob. I'm the founder of the Green Music Initiative and the Go Group. Uh, we are kind of an innovation and research institute for the music entertainment industry. And I'm Jasper from Digital Festival in Amsterdam. You're the winner of the European Green Festival. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that deserves a round but, of applause, but also I think. Michael also won too, so... <laughs> oh, that's a good point. We have two winners here of the Green Operations Award. And two judges. It's a conspiracy. <laughs> um, so the way that we're going to do this, there's a couple of things that we want to um, speak about and, and almost exhibit to you, I suppose, in words. And um, we're going to save the questions until the end. So if there's anything in particular about a particular project, just... Scribble it down in your head and then ask us at the end, and I promise to leave plenty of time for questions. Uh, so, Jacob, can you start by telling us about your fantastic innovation that all of these fine people can get involved with? Yes, well, this is, this is an intro. If you got introduced that you have a fantastic innovation, <laughs> it's really high. So, but let, let me start with trying to outline our understanding of future, because that panel is called Festivals of the Future. But future is something which will happen anyway. So just, it will be there in a few days or a few hours or a few minutes or a few seconds. But at some point we have to make an informed decision how we want that future to be like. And in our work at the Green Music Initiative in the past, we were most re reacting. So we were aware of some challenges in the industry and we tried to find ways of how to cope with these challenges. Obviously, campsite chaos, people leaving tents, uh, mobility issues, audience mobility, and then energy. And energy was always an issue for me in which I really took some interest without being an engineer. Somehow over the years I became some kind of energy nerd because I wanted to understand the concept of energy. Because a festival, and I know many of you are aware of that, are temporary cities in the green. So whatever you have in a city, you have in a festival, but without any built infrastructure. So you have to make it happen, and there's no way that, that it's not, not working. So you can't just try out and see after the first night if the loos are working, or if you have enough, or if the stage has enough capacity. It has to work. At the very same time, you're, coped, you're coping with, with the issue of temporarity. So everything is there has to be there for a few days, and then you have to most of the times tear it down and, and, and rebuild it and, and put it back. So energy, usually when you're, when you're not so lucky to have a grid connection on your festival, um, usually you have generators. So we reacted to the challenges of generators by trying to understand what a generator does, at what time, is it big enough, is it too big, are there too many? Because if you, if you talk to a technical director of a festival, most of the times they're, I would say, a bit trigger-happy with booking generators. 
So they have many generators, most of them are too big because at some point they say, oh well, the main stage at Saturday night at 10 o'clock has that capacity. So the generator set in the past has, has, was calculated around that challenge. So over the last, I would say, five years, people like, like Paul in the Netherlands or, or Rob in, in the UK with Glastonbury, Chris Johnson in the UK at Shambhala, or we in Germany try to understand if, if that generator is well, if it's too big, if it's too small, with the basic idea to bring down consumption. So we are reacting to the challenge of that resource by the answer which at that time was efficiency. Efficiency means get more out of a resource. Still, we had the dirty resource of oil or diesel or whatever powered that generator. But in the very beginning, it totally made sense bring down the consumption. So we were quite lucky, we were succeeded in that. Uh, Paul has amazing numbers. I thought you brought it down by 30% consumption. 40%? So if you compare like what a festival like Digity is using today to what they would have used like a few years ago, they brought it down by 40%. Super good news, but still using some diesel. You're not. Oh, very well. <laughs> good. But many festivals still use diesel. And this, this really brought Chris Johnson from Shambhala and me together. We were here in Eurosonic and we were having a beer. And because we're kind of nerdy with energy, we were asking ourselves, okay, it totally makes sense have an efficiency strategy for a finite resource. Because if a resource is finite, you want to use as little as possible for that, either to make it last longer or to really get off it. Get off coal, get off fossil fuels. But at some point we said, why can't we switch to an infinite resource? Why can't we move the energy production, the energy consumption in a festival context from a finite resource to an infinite resource? And then everybody says, yeah, let's use renewables. Renewables are lovely. So every technician can say, okay, we have enough renewables. Technically, uh, all over the world, there's enough sun, there's enough wind, there's enough geothermal, enough water, enough whatever to power whatever we need only challenges with renewables is you don't have them at the time you need it. Usually, you don't have them where you need it. So you have wind in the north, sun in the south, but you need it in the middle. Then people say, okay, we have to build new grids. Let's build new grids, capacity grids. Then people say, yeah, I'd like to have a grid, but not in my backyard. I'd like to have some wind power, but not, not next to my house. And all of a sudden, renewables became some kind of a... Uh, Bad story. So everybody said, yeah, we want that, but it's too complicated. So Chris and me, we were making our minds up. The biggest challenge with renewables is storage. So how do you store the energy? What, what is a feasible, scalable, efficient, and cheap way of storing renewable energy? And the project we're right now in, it's financed by the European Commission. In the Horizon 2020 program, it's called Everywhere. And in that project, over the next five years, we will develop hydrogen fuel cell generators for use in the context of festivals. This is not a new thing. It's, not, it's no rocket science to produce these things, but they used to be really expensive because there was no research. This research is now funded by the European Commission. Um, next summer, we have eight generator sets, 425 kV and 400 kV, so smaller and bigger generator sets running on hydrogen, Hydrogen produces no emissions, no CO2 and no noise, very little noise, just very little noise. And if you produce the hydrogen on renewables, which is doable, if you produce hydrogen from wind energy, from surplus wind energy or surplus solar energy, then it is 
emission-free. So getting all this together, we are moving from infinite resource where, where efficiency made sense to an infinite resource, which is sun, wind, water, and air. What we have enough on that planet. So the project is called Everywhere, and this is the journey we are back on. Next summer, we have these generator sets for festivals like you to test run. It's financed by the European Commission, so they will come at the price of a diesel generator. Um, the um, hydrogen will be provided by Linde. And if it's green hydrogen, then we have emission-free energy for festivals. That's amazing, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. Excellent. So we... Um Back in, uh, I think it was about 10 years ago, that some hydrogen fuel cells were used at Reading Festival and Arcola Theatre. And one of the limiting factors was the expense of it and then not having um, uh, any hydrogen being produced on renewable energy. So is this something that you see changing over the coming years or has it changed over the last 10 years? Well, it, it's a bit like there was hydrogen research. There was already a few hydrogen cars. So Mercedes had a fuel cell car. BMW had a fuel cell car, um, Fiat had a fuel cell car like 10 years ago and then all of a sudden research went down, everything went into electric batteries. The challenge with electric batteries is you need, you need resources, you need rare earths to, to, um, to build a battery. So if in the future energy storage mostly will be on batteries, we have to use these batteries for cars and for other stuff. But we have to find ways of not using the rare earths. As of now, the research is going up. Um, so it will bring the prices down. So right now, the generator is really expensive. It's like 10 times the price of a normal thing, but it will go down over the next five years. And um, the idea of the project is by, I would say, 2025, 20, 26, it will be roughly the same price like a diesel generator, one side. And the other side is the hydrogen itself will become cheaper and cheaper and cheaper because, for example, in Germany, we had a feed-in tariff so if you would set up a wind turbine or solar panel, you got paid by the government for 20 years. That feed-in tariff ends after 20 years. And now we have an renewable energy production all over the country coming out of the feed-in tariff. Energy nobody can sell again to the grid for a set price. So it makes sense to store it. And this makes the case for hydrogen. All of a sudden, the prices will go down, price for hydrogen will go down, and then it becomes a feasible business model to operate it in festival context. So by getting the festivals involved, you're able to help boost the research to make that eventually happen more quickly. The, the interesting thing is for the, I would say, it, it, it took us so many years to establish these kind of, of research cooperations between festival and big companies. As part of that consortium, it's Volvo, which is a big producer of generators. Linde, Axiona, they, they run biggest construction sites all over the world. Because the idea is not to test them only on festivals, to test them on construction site and refugee camps. So wherever you have no grid connection um, and you want, you want energy, these generator sets will be tested. Excellent. And the, um, it's quite interesting as well, the idea of being able to bring these into refugee camps, because it's something that we've seen again and again with a lot of the projects that happen in relation to sustainability on festivals or many other um, uh, different elements such as crowd management, etc. Uh, taking compost toilets as an example or systems for creating energy. They are created in this place where you have a lot of, uh, I suppose, money and opportunity comparatively to a refugee camp um, that can then be taken to help people that are genuinely in need. 
Um, so that's on the scale of innovation, being able to support a problem. Um, we'll touch upon later the symptom of that problem and how we can also help in that respect. Um, but I think that we'll move on now to uh, Jasper to talk about uh, your circular food court. Last year, we introduced a circular food court. It's not a, uh, the first time we, we had a look at our food court. Uh, food always has been a, a topic uh, in our sustainability program because where there's food, there's, there's waste. Uh, and uh, we have basically two big programs within digital. That's one is a, a waste program and a CO2 program. So uh, within our waste program, we want to be circular next year. Uh, I, I think I, I need to push my uh, sustainability manager that it needs to be this year because I think that's doable. Um, and for those who aren't familiar with the term, what do you mean by circular? So, so we don't have any waste anymore. So all the things that, that come in uh, need to be reused afterwards or we try to uh, uh, decrease the amount of things getting in. Um, so when you look at, at our food court, uh, food court all the, the ingredients that, that are used, you, ha you have ingredients left because the, the caterers, they buy too much. Uh, but you also have the the, the food waste that's uh, left leftovers that uh, are being thrown away by our visitors, uh, together with um, uh, the, the 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 cups and the the, the, the spoons and the forks and the knives. Um, uh, so that that's waste altogether, and that's also calculated in uh, the amount of waste uh, you're producing as a festival. Um, so last year, so let's start in the beginning. How we we looked at our food food program. That in the beginning, the first year, digital started as a coincidence. I can tell you about this later. Uh, but let's say it started as a coincidence, and after the first edition, uh, we 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 thought this is special. We need to look at everything we do. So let's let's do everything uh, different and efficient, uh, because uh, sustainability. It's in, in, in fact, it's being uh, efficient. Um, so um, we said, let's look differently at what we serve. So um, let's do vegetarian. And you have a discussion within your companies and no, we, we need our burgers. And so. But in the end, we decided to go uh, uh, vegetarian and we thought we would get a lot of complaints, but we didn't get any complaints, I think, because of the way we... Uh, uh, we we did the marketing around it, so we made it really easy to comprehend why we did this. And the, uh, our visitors, they they just dig this, and so that was the, the first time we we put some uh, attention to this. And um, and what was your reason for going completely vegetarian? Well, be, because uh, there are a few reasons, but the main reason in our vision was that uh, the production of meat um, uh, caused a lot of CO two emission. And uh, we 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 are trying to reduce the CO2 emission of our event, so that was uh, the main reason. Um, I'm really impressed that the communication that you had managed to curtail the complaints, because every place that we've seen where any festival has proposed a change just to what people are allowed to eat, it's so emotive and people yeah. get really yeah, but it's, it's, passionately angry. It's interesting. Angry. We, I was in a panel two years ago with uh, Chris from Shambhala. Yeah. And he, they had big complaints mm -hmm. about their festival, but it was differently because they were, were with families in the UK and they said, oh, what am I going to feed my, my kids? Because they're used to eating shitty, shitty products <laughs> on, the, on the schools, <laughs> of course. It's not so. true. Slander. Yeah. But... Uh, um, 
So then, t- two years after it was uh, t- two years ago, we uh, we introduced uh, the future of food. Uh, we wanted to show that uh, uh, where it's going with uh, um, um, food in the world um, because um, we cannot keep up producing the amount of food that we're doing. So we need to look at different resources. So we started serving insect uh, products. We started serving some fungi products and algae uh, products. Um, but that was more as a uh, as a showcase for our visitors. And um, then last year we were thinking, okay, we need to do something with our food court, especially because um, all the things we did last year were uh, more like backstage sustainable uh, 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 initiatives and we didn't have anything to show to our visitors so uh, we are always trying to explain what we're doing and we think it's really important that that we we have a certain message that that's not like patronizing saying hey you cannot do this but we want to show uh, our visitors that that uh, being sustainable is uh, uh, easy to do when you just do it um, so we 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 did a few things that are a little bit odd. Is for example, we we put all our uh, the containers where we put all our waste in. We put it uh, front stage instead of backstage. Uh, uh, so the how do you call the the, the division of all the uh, uh, plastic, the separation of of all the the, the waste was done in front of uh, the people itself. So that was uh, quite an experience. And uh, also in the food court, we said, okay, let's let's try to to uh, put some focus on that because we uh, stopped using uh, any kinds of plastic in the in the food court. So we had, uh, um, uh, uh, like I said, the the, the cups, etc. Everything was from uh, um, um, natural products, so as sustainable as, as possible. Of course, there is always a discussion about. Is a is a leaf a banana leaf is is it sustainable because it's not from the Netherlands, uh, you know? But we we try to have as sustainable materials as as possible, and at least it had to be um, um, uh, uh, we had to uh, be able to throw it away to compost it. So we started a, a collaboration with a, a city farming. It's called the Stadsboeren. It's a, a Amsterdam-based day. Uh, city farm uh, all around. They, they do workshops and they show people how you can grow crops in in the city really easy in, in your balcony or in your garden. So you can grow your own uh, stuff. So we said, okay, how can we help you? They said, we, you can help us with uh, sending us compost. So we started thinking about the compost. Uh, so we said, all the all the food and all the leftovers, everything needs to be composted. But let's try to do it on the festival itself, so people can see how it's composting. So we found, uh, uh, together with uh, Lab Vlieland, they already did this uh, a year before on a festival uh, into the Great Wide Open, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had this composting uh, machine, and we just put it in the middle of the food court. And um, uh, the second day was smell- smelling a little because the, the f- one of the ventilators, I believe, uh, was broken, so you could s- smell the, the the process of of the the, the waste uh, uh, composting. But um, and we we did a lot of signing, so we showed everywhere that uh, uh, what what was going on. So uh, that was a, the 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 next step into our um, uh, sustainable food court. And in the end, we we are not finished yet because. In our opinion, it's not just what you do on the festival. It's also the the 
the whole supply chain that you need to have a look at because in the supply chain there's uh, going on a lot and also you know when you, when you make waste uh, and you separate it you need to be uh, sure that it's not taken to to the wrong uh, uh, company and that's how they throws it together and, and and still burns it so you need to follow the process uh, uh, quite some time on uh, to know for sure that that uh, it has the right purpose and is this a system that you're developing for the coming years to look e in even more detail in that because yes, from, from doing the greener festival yeah. assessments yeah. we can see that there's always breaks in the chain or often breaks in the chain where um, like you say, there's not a clear understanding of where things are coming from. And also you might believe that it's a great thing that you have lots of compostables, for example, but then there's no facility that can process them. So they all go to incinerator. So the more oh, that that can in be the, In the end, you need, you need experts. Uh, we're doing the, the resource management with uh, Leonie Bone. And uh, she's really good at it. And she comes from the industry itself. It's like, it's like Paul, it's name, it's heard a lot of it. Uh, sessions like this but no he's he's from the industry and then he says we can be more efficient with uh, with energy so um uh but they're standing up a lot of people in in the different uh, uh supply chains uh, that say hey we uh, i i support what you're doing and i can help you because i know how it works so with leonie we are following every step that that we're doing and uh, uh that, that's a, that's a great help and you need people like this but so but also, in, when you look at uh, food, um, uh, we said, let's try to have a different perspective on how we compose uh, 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 the, the menu. So normally what you would do as a festival is that you say, okay, uh, let's pick some caterers because they have uh, uh, a, sort of a certain uh, food offering. So we, we find uh, vegetarian hamburgers, of course. We find a pizza and we, we find some fries. But... Um, that's that's not the right way because what's happening is that they all buy their uh, ingredients at different places. So in the end, it's a not, it's really not efficient to work with uh, 15 different caterers. So we said, okay, let's let's change this around and let's uh, let's start from the beginning. It's you don't look at at, at uh, what they're making. We look at what's going into this this food. So we uh, are setting up uh, for this year. We're setting up a collaboration with Instock. It's a uh, it's a company. Uh, um, it's founded by some people working at Owls, a big uh, uh, a retailer, and uh, they had this idea that uh, su big supermarkets they throw away a lot of uh, of food. So that, uh, I think it's around thirty percent or, or or so. So uh, they said, okay, but it's a it's a it's a shame and it's a waste. Let, literally, that they are throwing this away because it's good food. Let's let's try to to reuse it. Um, so. Uh, they've now founded a company I heard on the radio uh, uh, when I was uh, on my way to here that uh, um, now they are uh, standalone, so they're not the little sister or brother of, of Owl anymore. Uh, that means their business is, is making money, so it's very good for them. And uh, so we are making uh, uh, this new program together with them because they have the ingredients. So now we are uh, uh, looking into which caterers or which cooks are we going to use? Because we will say, these are the ingredients that you uh, that we have. Uh, let's try to make a menu. And now we can make a menu ourselves that we think that would be worth eating on a festival. So you're essentially making a food lineup with unique exactly. ingredients from your local supply. We're doing this also supply. together with the food lineup. That's the name of the company. Ah. Uh, <laughs> <so> <laughs> I didn't and, know and, that. And, but it's now, so what we're doing now is that we are 
buying all the ingredients uh, centrally. So, so this should be more efficient. You don't have 10 vans coming in. Everything is, is centralized. So also yeah. when you look at the, because I was saying it's it's about efficiency, that um, now because you're becoming more efficient, you can use better ingredients because when you're more efficient, it's cost, uh, uh, they go down. So you have better products for the same price. And actually, it's interesting that you say about the food trucks not all needing to come in separately. So I think it was Cambridge Folk Festival did a study. They're a city-based festival as well, but with camping in, a, in a, the city of Cambridge. And um, they found that it was their traders, the caterers, that actually created the most CO2 emissions, more than the audience travel and um, more than the production because of all of the deliveries and different old trucks coming back and forth selling terrible burgers for the English families. <coughs> but equally, um, festivals who have done studies on the CO2 impact of the entire festival have often found that when they take into account the food and the production of the food, it's the most significant element. Um, and not only that, but it also has huge ethical implications as well if you're not really being careful about the supply chain that you're uh, selecting. So that's an excellent initiative. I think that also deserves a round of applause. <laughs> So, Mikhail, my dear friend, um, Pahoda is um, an outstanding festival. Anybody that's been lucky enough to go there will know um, and will have seen firsthand. Um, and also something that particularly stands out about the way that the whole event is run is the, is the amount of passion and drive behind standing up for the beliefs of um, the whole team and what you really stand for um, and this goes beyond um, just doing what is accessible and convenient and often means standing in the face of quite challenging confrontational situations in order to be able to bring forth the changes that you want to see or to allow voices to be heard. So um, it would be really nice to hear about a couple of the situations that you've been in where you've been wanting to help a certain situation or stand up for one of your beliefs that have involved needing to really step above uh, where you might feel comfortable. Thank you very much. Uh, I will start with two, two questions to my yes, colleagues. That uh, Can we join your uh, uh, generator program with Pohoda? Yes, please. Perfect. It would be an honor. And the second, what what will you do when Wutan Clan would like would ask you for eight steaks in backstage? Is this also oh, yeah, are you vegetarian also for for like riders? What do you think? I think no. <laughs> it's, we are also a vegetarian backstage. Really? Wow! Congratulations! Well, and, and have, I will use it. A lot of, it's it's a, possible. A lot of producers they are complaining. Now we said, okay, if you want to have a meat. Uh, you can go to a, a snack bar somewhere around, but we're not certain. Wow, but it's it's. Um, I I just ask. I, I'm asking this because sometimes, what when we want to do something, we are dealing with riders of bands, and that then we see it's not possible to fulfill all our aims. So congratulations. But there is an interesting fun fact about meat. You don't die if you don't eat meat for three days. I know, I know, but uh, at, at Poda, for example, we have two vegetarian days during uh, preparation because we are three weeks there. And we have only vegetarian Tuesdays and Fridays. And it's like riots every Tuesday and every Friday. And we communicate it very nicely. 
I we don't wait. we don't say that you do, do, do. we are trying to use all the tricks but some suppliers are you pretending it's meat and no 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 <laughs> <laughs> some suppliers are just um we we are the, we we were very sorry when we we gave good very good quality food to our suppliers and including also some big companies and then we saw all the meal in containers because it's vegetarian and we were like shocked but they take a different cook <laughs> I don't know, no. Uh, or may, may, maybe take different supplier, I don't know. Okay, so, but uh, I will go back to your question. Uh, when we founded Pohoda, it's, uh, I don't want to go too, too, too deep to history, but uh, I know how it was still 1989 when, we, when I lived in totalitarian regime and we had a band and we know how it was. So to, to run a free festival for me is a, it's like a miracle. So that's, that's why I think it is natural that we want to give back something to that miracle. And we know that it's not automatic, that it will be like this forever. And, and I think that we have to deal with this and we have to do our best to live in democracy and to live in free society. And uh, uh, I use this example, I used it during this conference many times, but uh, for example, Liam Gallagher said that he would reunion Oasis if it could uh, cancel the Brexit. But he said it after the referendum. He should say it before the referendum. <laughs> and this is the thing that we sometimes have to speak about something and to deal with something before and not after. It was the same with festivals. I, I was very disappointed that the music scene in the UK was not acting actively against Brexit and before referendum. And I think the only festival who, who, which did it very like in big picture was Glastonbury. And so I was very sorry for this. But anyway, uh, when Poda started, for me it was like a dream come true thing. And uh, the second edition in 1998 was, uh, the, was part of chain of, um, of events against uh, Vladimir Mečiar, who was something like Slovak Lukashenko. So we have it in our DNA. We started to work with NGOs, etc., etc. I came from background when we were part of underground and alternative scene in late 80s. So we had many problems with the uh, authorities, communist authorities. And I saw the examples of people who were in prison, who were like tortured. And if someone is saying that the like 80s were like a great time in uh, Czechoslovakia, I'm saying always that you can compare it to Northern Korea, for example. So, and I had this luck to to meet these people, fantastic people, and that's why we want to to do to give something back to it. And so that's why we do it. I can give you a few examples. Uh, for example, we don't use it only during the festival, but also during the year. Maybe the best example how how we deal with our team and with the, with the thing is uh, Focus. We have Czechoslovak Focus now at Eurosonic, and when when uh, Ruth announced asked us if we can be a partner of the Focus, I was thinking how to make it not only uh, f something for bands and to, to 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 prepare something for their international career, but also how to build to use it for community and how to reduce, for example, emissions with uh, travel, etc. Et so we came by two buses, 120 Slovaks came together. They sound like fun buses. Very fun buses, <laughs> I can assure you. If you want to travel back with us, you can. Yes. We have some free space. You will remember it for the rest of your life. <laughs> I believe you. And, <laughs> and now we live in four boats together uh, in, the, near, in the front of Central Station. We have, for example, as a production team, we have very nice 22 bedroom. 
<laughs> so with one shower, now it's very sufficient. challenging every morning. <laughs> and But it's making the team building is very interesting on that. Excellent. And uh, we know many things about each other, much more than maybe it's <laughs> healthy to know. Well, it's good to have an intimate team. Yes, but anyway, this is... Uh, and I see it, how, how, how the musicians are helping each other because we are together. If every band will travel by themselves, they will bring all backlines with them or all instruments they are sharing many things together they are like exchanging things exchanging ideas it's so it's fantastic uh, another example how we use uh, the power of the festival uh, with dealing with some sad moments which uh, are happening sadly and which will happen sadly uh, for example when there was a, a when there was an attack against one club in uh, one city of uh, Slovakia we as Pohoda launched and created campaign. It, it happened on Saturday and group of neo-Nazis attacked one underground club. And it uh, finished with beating people on the street and the police was filming it and they were watching it because part of the police was sympathizing with this. And uh, then, they, then the club launched this video because they were... It's, I, I don't want to go too deep to, to details. But then we started. We, then we created a um, campaign. It, it was called Festival Saturday Saturdays in that club, in Mariachi Club, and we did it for one year. And every single week there was one festival who was like patron. We as Pohoda organized it, but every every weekend we chose an, another festival. We asked for all festivals to join, including I don't know visual art festival. And they came there. So one year it was every week. In newspapers that it's festival Saturdays in Mariachi because of that Nazi attack, no Nazi attack, and it ended with um, suing them, and it's still in process. But also the, the society saw that we will care how it will be, and as we found, uh, it was found that uh, some part of the police was connected to it. They were they they also fired some policemen, so it was quite strong yeah. move. And we, did, we do things like this often. If something, for example, happened in uh, some Roma village and it was also connected to police, the police came and they were beating uh, people house to house. Sometimes things like this happen. And when the people start to speak about it openly, they, 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 many people say that they are lying. So, But we want to go there when it happens. So we created a little festival there. So it was against in the news, etc. And the uh, last example is uh, when the young uh, couple of uh, Jan Kuciak and Martina Kuštěrová, Jan Kuciak was an uh, investigative journalist who was writing articles uh, about government and about corruption. And his last article he was working on was about connection between mafia and the government. And he was uh, murdered with his fiance in their house. And we, were not, we didn't know how to deal with that because it was like shock for the whole society and then we decided the next day when it was uh, like announced that it happened we decided to do chain of little not little little festivals or concerts all around the country and we did it for half a year every sunday we, we did something somewhere and uh, it ended at, at the festival of course but for example we did one special little festival on the day of they prepared marriage because they wanted to be uh, it was the wedding was already prepared on 5th of May and we did it in the village of Martina and we asked musicians to come, visual artists to come, uh, poet, poem, uh, writers to come and of course people to come 
and so and we created a big event with I think very strong message and also the families of both like of Jan and Martina they were there and it was very 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 strong event so you're taking the the skills and the ability and the community of your team that can create the music festival to then go and shine a light on these different situations that have happened um, using that the kind of, uh, I suppose, the, um, the gift that you have of being able to create those gatherings. Does that, do you get prevented then from creating your own event? So if you're standing up against politicians, for example, within your own country, how do you then continue to organise your event? Because I can imagine licences being revoked or you being opposed by the police, for example. Have you had to deal with that? Uh, we have very liberal law in uh, Slovakia. When uh, the regime collapsed, uh, there was um, it was a moment for one or two years when some miracles happened. And for example, we have so liberal law regarding events that you just announce them. You don't. You, we are not asking for license, and this is some fantastic, of course. Mm. And it's like that. Imagine. Sometimes it's it's also it can it can be also bad because, for example, uh, when the neo-Nazis do their gatherings. They just oh, announce then it. they can just go ahead and... They can do it. So this is sometimes controversial, but we have this law. And uh, we have problems. We have con there, there are consequences. Our prime minister, leader of the, of the country, is publicly speaking against the festival. The members of parliament, few of them, are publicly against our festival. Mm. The, the chief of uh, committee for, of European things is writing statuses which are unbelievable against the festival. He's like I I, I don't I don't think it's needed to, to speak about it. But so uh, we lost few sponsors, of course. So we lost some money. But we also decided that when we want to to make it serious and when we want to to like to be trusted, we also have to stop to work with some companies. So we have to, we don't we 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 are not meeting people who are who wants to work with us, who we know are connected to some oligarchs mm. or to this party. So we are losing money, we are losing some uh, likes on Facebook, we are receiving some some comments, but this is all worthy because I'm sure that it's um, the festival is a miracle and we we want to live in nice society and in democracy. So we so it's normal that we do this <laughs> and you talk about that yeah <laughs> so you talk about the festival as miracle and you also talk about music as miracle and i think that in each of these cases and looking at the future of festivals um it's why why would a festival that's a party for people with everyone coming together to listen to music be such an important thing for creating the changes that we want to see and go into such extreme lengths. So do you feel that this is a tool that needs to be used and harnessed? Does everyone absolutely. have a responsibility to use uh, that? Absolutely. Music and freedom is like brother and sister and they, they should support one. Uh, sometimes music needs it, sometimes freedom needs it. So it's, I think it's, uh, it's great and, and, and it's great tool because it's connected with emotions and music is, it's great that, that we have, uh, we can have fun with music. It's fantastic and people can have fun at our festivals and also at other events we do, of course. But uh, music is also helping us uh, with dealing with sad moments. And it's, uh, w when we were asked why you do 
festival in the day of the of wedding of that couple, we said because music is not only for 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 funny moments or or joyful moments, it's also helping us to go through sad moments. So and that's why music is so strong that it can help. Sometimes when we are speaking about future, I, I would like maybe also to, to, to look back how it was before. I can't understand how it's possible that uh, people are living their waste in, in, camp in campings. They are speaking that, they are saying or describe themselves as big fun, like um, fans of festivals. And then they deal with the ground like it's what? I, so we are, we are accenting that when we are coming to... To the to Pohoda, please treat it as your home because we want to prepare it as when we are in, inviting someone to your home. And I can't imagine to come to your flat and then to to put this and to throw it to your carpet, for example. Yeah, yeah. So and it's the same at the at festival. So yeah. sometimes when we are speaking about future, maybe we can look back and we can think how it was possible that at Glastonbury there was no tents left mm. a few years ago, and now it's like, you know. I think it's um, also quite interesting just thinking now of, uh, I won't go too much into tent waste, but um, we were talking about how the festivals could be used as a tool for change and how they could be used to help, uh, for example, refugees by helping to discover new innovations or new systems of way to deal, ways to deal with things. Um, I, I can tell you one ex another example and then I'll finish. <laughs> we as a country, we are post-communist country. We... we we are in this position also thanks to help from Western countries. And when the refugee crisis started, our Prime Minister said that no one wants to come to our country, so it's, we, we will not help to anyone. We can help 140 Christians, chosen Christians from Iraq and Syria, and that's it. 140, I don't know how he created the number. And then he said, in a, during his press conference, that anyway, we don't have any mosque in Slovakia, so what they will do in the country? And... We decided to react that we erected first minaret in the country at Pohoda. It was visual installation. <laughs> so and it's we said, okay, so now as we have minaret, <laughs> at least minaret as a as a visual as a visual art, maybe we can accept at least one more. <laughs> so we we are also doing th things like this with visual arts and and other Excellent. other elements at Pohoda. It as a way to shine a light on it. Excellent. Um, and with the, with the refugee crisis and the, the tents as well, it's um, trying to look at, okay, all of these things are coming into the site. It's not just a problem of there being a waste issue on the site. All of that means that there's lots of oil and water being used and then being thrown away and using oil and water to dispose of it. And that happens again and again every year. And, and that's just one little reflection of, of what we're doing generally as a society. The tents is just one kind of visual symptom of that. Um, that, therefore, is boosting the oil industry, boosting the CO2, um, increasing the displacement of people who are then needing to be looked after through the tests that we do in the festivals where we use up all of the oil and all of the water in order to donate a little bit of something back. So looking at the future of festivals, how can we break that destructive cycle where we're just shuffling things around with the problems and not actually getting to the root of the cause? Jacob. <laughs> well, that's again a very big question. <clears throat> Um, well, well, to be honest, I think we, we have quite a romantic understanding of sustainability. 
very often I have the feeling that, that we look at something and then decide that it's bad and then we want to do less of the bad. We want to have less of bad energy, less of bad tense, less of bad food, but we don't change anything by having less of the bad stuff. At some point we have to make a decision, what do we want? How we want the world to be like? And then we start acting towards that goal. In, in our case, it is, well, the, the, the dream we had is we, we don't want to save energy. We want to have an energy source which is infinite, with no emission, and we want to use as much of it as, as we whatever want, in whatever place and whatever time. And that utopia creates a direction in which we want to go. Um, for example, um, Björn is doing a festival in Hamburg, and this festival is just produced on the energy produced on site. And he has a stage, and it's called Sunplugged Stage. And it would be a shitty stage if the sunplugged stage would be an unplugged stage. Like, oh yeah, this is what we get when we have renewables. Uh, uh, the acts are only playing very quietly and we, we have to stop after half an hour. Actually, it has to be the other way around. We want a mode selector stage with all the bass and all the laser and whatever we want run on renewable. So this, this is our dream. We want, we want to create that idea of a future we want to. We want to get rid of the addiction of oil because this is killing us. This is not only killing the planet, it's, it's really killing us in, in, in the first line. And I think once, we are, once we're off that drug, things will really evolve easily from there. But we have to get rid of that and then create a direction in which we want to go. And that is, we want to use an energy which is infinite without any emissions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Jasper, is this part of your vision for why why are you trying to do a circular festival? Why do you want to increase it to all of the other events? Well, I'm I'm a I'm a little bit competitive. <laughs> uh, I got that impression. I always play against <laughs> myself, so I always lose. Um, no, it's uh, it's it's just because you know in the beginning it was okay. Let's let's do this because uh, when you go on holidays in in other countries and you like scuba diving, you see plastics and you see less coral every every year. For it's just an example, and I think nowadays a lot of people live in cities and they they need to go out. They they love going into nature, uh, um, and but nature there's getting less nature uh, uh, every year. So. I think there has been a turning point where people uh, think nowadays that this needs to be stopped. But um, the, the the festival, it's uh, I think it's uh, I'm calling it an, an industry. I think 20 years ago it, there wasn't a real festival industry. Now it's becoming a a, a real industry, and um, um, I think 20 years ago all the promoters were not that centralized as it is now. When you look at ADE or uh, Eurosonic, they're getting more people every time, every year again. And uh, so uh, they're connecting more. Before it was like, I have my own sort of festival, I have my own DNA, and I'm not talking to you because you know I'm doing my thing, you're doing your thing. Now, because it's becoming an industry, um, we are uh, everyone is innovating. Uh, so with this innovation, you get more efficiency, and so you become more sustainable. That's that's one part. Second thing uh, is is that uh, promoters now know, and that's what's going on in the Netherlands, is that when you start combining your power, you can stand up against big companies and say, hey, if you're not working together with us, and uh, you don't want to serve your beer in hard cup, then we will look for another supplier. 
And you know that's uh, we were talking about this uh, uh, before at the f uh, plastic promise panel um, a few years ago. That that uh, the suppliers uh, they didn't want to work with us because they said, "I want my perfect serve. Uh, I, I want the straw and I want uh, 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 a cup with my logo, my color." Um, and and now three years later, they're working together with us, even uh, uh, saying that they don't need their logo on a cup. You know that's. That's quite a change, and this is um, mostly because we are now used to combining powers, and it's become uh, an industry. Mm. So you have that extra sway that didn't used to have. Um, I think we've got less than ten minutes, so I'm going to open up to some questions from the floor. Um, we've covered quite a few topics there, so hands up, anybody, for any questions. Um, to ask Jacob, actually, what sort of time scale do you see this um, transition? I know you're working on it, and I know it's a five-year project, because um, by changing en energy source, that's potentially transformational. I mean, I, you know, 10 years ago, I did a study on audience travel and the CO2 footprint, and it was the highest emission. <laughs> you know, if we get to a situation where we're using hydrogen or, or you know, we don't have a CO2 footprint, um, it is transformational. That's a problem gone, isn't it, really? How long do you think it's going to take? Easy, I always get the easy questions. You do. Um, <laughs> the, but, well, the answer is, is easy. Um, as soon as we're able to bring down the prices. Mm. I mean, I, I would reckon 100% of the festivals we work with would say yes if I would be able to offer them the hydrogen generator at the same price like a diesel generator. Mm. It's as easy as that. As of now, they're very expensive because like, still you have to, these are prototypes, they're like not so much on the market. Some rental companies have that tried them out and then it were too expensive to rent out and it's hard to explain why they're like twice, triple the price for a rental day or even more than hydrogen is complicated, yada, yada, yada. At the very same moment, I'd I, I be able to bring down the prices and, and have the supply safe. The pickup will be in one season. So uh, you're asking for the dime. I would say... 2025. So we will should be, be able to knock will, a few years At 2025-25, <laughs> every festival in Europe will have the possibility to rent one of these to an okayish price. Right. Okay. And I, w I would add just that, that we should be willing to spend more for good things, no? Mm -hmm. Because it's uh, like, uh, that's it, it's nothing is for free and if you want to be free, it's, it costs you something. And if you want to be responsible, it costs you something. If you want to be like nice to to the planet, it it's cost you something. So the oh, consequences are also budget wise are there. We well, for example, when we launch our new system with the uh, separation, it's uh, it we spend tens of thousands euros more, but it's worthy to spend it. Uh, you need audacious people, I think, to 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 make change. And it's uh, when you start thinking uh, about making your event more sustainable and then you have a look at the cost, you will think, okay, let's not do this. But if you don't, just don't, that's my advice, don't look at the cost, look look afterwards. <laughs> and then you will like be it. surprised that it will, it, it, the costs are not too high. But uh, uh, don't see the cost as a cost, see them as an investment. And uh, two or three years uh, later, you will make uh, money because you have an advantage. 
and that's uh, and somewhere in the industry you have to begin and lo uh, look at Tesla you know they're they're making uh, uh, electric cars and now everyone is starting to produce electric cars but <laughs> Tesla now is big and they're making profit finally so that's a, a really good example of how innovation works and um yeah let's let's hope and I I think the the festival business the festival industry is a really good uh, uh innovator and initiator of uh, uh um, um things like you do but it Exactly what you said. This is this is the mindset I, I I see with every festival we're working with. It's it's not only about reducing the environmental impact. It's about raising the impact. So while we're in, in that understanding, we want to reduce our footprint. We want to reduce our impact. People like you, you want you want to raise your impact by by showcasing some weird stuff, which feels rather strange in the beginning, and next season it's the new normal. So this is where sustainability needs to go. It should become at some point a new normal, like like the default. If you want to have a diesel generator, it should be very expensive and very complicated in the future. If you still want that, you can get that. But the normal situation should be you should get the generator without any emissions. So we should change the whole system. Default should be green. I'd certainly vote for that, one hundred percent. So we actually only have one minute left. So was that five minutes? Oh, great. We've got extra time. No, <laughs> one minute left. So we can either have one more question. No, or each one of you could tell me what it is that you think the future festival really needs more than anything else in just a couple of words, a few words, maybe. I think we need enough time to experience the magic of festival because I see time being the most precious resource of the future. So I, I pray that people have time to really engulf themselves in, the, in, in that festival, whatever you want to call it, time. We need time. We can't buy time. So better start now. Okay, and I think that we need freedom, democracy, tolerance. Here, here. And talking of time as well, not that I'm not about to say that we're finished. Um, the only thing that we do have is actually the present moment and the future doesn't even exist yet. It's all dependent upon what we do right now. So let's use the time now to, for one, really enjoy the whole journey. There's a lot that we can already be very happy about with the way things are today because it's brilliant. Look at all you beautiful people. Um, but also what we decide, what we choose, how we act, how we relate to each other, what we stand up for now in every moment is what makes what we're going to live in tomorrow. So how wonderful is that? <laughs> okay, on that, thank you, everybody. Thank you.